technology is not always the solution, you know, especially in healthcare, having a human, um, having a human who's there to answer your questions makes a tremendous difference. Uh, and so there are areas where technology can, can enhance an intervention um, and can make things more efficient, certainly. But in the end, it's really important um, for people to have that human interaction. And we never want to overlook that. You know, we don't want to understate it as well. That was our guest today, Edith Elliott, and along with Shahed Alam, they're co-founders of NeuroHealth. NeuroHealth collaborates with hospitals and local groups to convert complex medical information into entertaining and culturally relevant videos and text messages, training family members of patients, converting hospital wards and waiting rooms into classrooms to train family members in high impact skills. And it also uses WhatsApp to reinforce these skills that people have learned. In this episode, Edith and Shahed take us through the creation of NeuroHealth, why family members are the most important and most underused resource when it comes to affordable healthcare interventions, and why low-tech solutions can be as impactful as high-tech solutions. I hope you enjoy this episode with Edith and Shahed. Edith and Shahed, thank you so much for joining me here on the Digital Mindfulness Show. It's a real pleasure to have you on and I'm really excited to learn more about this fantastic company, NeuroHealth, that you founded. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Excited to share. So I wonder if you both would take the time to introduce yourselves and in particular, how you came to found the company. Sure. Um, Shahid and I met oh geez, six years ago now. Um, we were students at Stanford. He was studying medicine. I was um, getting a master's in policy and international policy. And we took a course at the design school at Stanford um, called Design for Extreme Affordability, where we were introduced to a phenomenal gentleman who's a physician, a doctor in India. His name is Dr. Devi Shetty, and he runs a chain of hospitals in India. And we found ourselves in a unique position where he had shared a number of challenges and problems that, that they were experiencing and that other hospitals, um, you know, government facilities and hospitals in their area were also experiencing. Um, and we used design thinking to help come up with a solution or a few solutions for some of these problems. And one of the, one of the things that we saw when we visited his hospital and others was that, you know, on one hand, you have a health system in India that's extremely overstrapped, and there are just more patients than there are healthcare professionals to, to meet the demand on the system. Um, doctors and nurses, their time with an individual patient is extremely limited, especially in a government or public hospital. Um, you know, you're, you're lucky if you get about two and a half minutes with a doctor during an average inpatient hospital stay. And on the other side, you have family members who travel to the hospital, live at the hospital throughout the duration of their loved one's stay, and outside of visiting hours are really left to pray, fetch food, um, but they're not involved in the care of their loved one. And it's really not until discharge when you're leaving the hospital that the the patient and maybe sometimes the family 
are engaged and they're given a very rushed overview of what the, what's wrong with the patient and what will be expected when they go home. Handed a bag of pills and a piece of paper that they may or may not be able to, to read or understand and are told good luck and they go home and things fall apart. And so we thought, hmm, what would happen if we use this incredibly compassionate and willing resource, the family member, to help uh, uplift the patient and, and uplift the system a little bit while the patient is in the hospital. So Dr. Shetty graciously let us do some experimentation in his hospital. It was really our sandbox. Um, and what we found was that, yeah, families can be an incredible uh, healing resource for patients uh, during their hospital stay. And then, of course, if you give people information in the right way and at the right time, during a hospital stay, then they're able to better provide care at home and some of those complications or readmissions that you see happening unnecessarily um, go down pretty drastically from what we've experienced. Edith, that's absolutely fascinating. And Shahed, you know, you and I were speaking about this in the pre-interview, but your, your journey to founding the company was slightly different. Um, no, actually, I was I was I grew up in the U.S. I was I was born there, but then um, through the work, um, you know, we spent a lot of time in India and realized that um, it's it's best to to be closer to the work and and you know really felt um, at home here, and so decided to to move here and and really focus on building the organization full time from here. My my family is from uh, Bangladesh, so. You know, I do travel there, or I did travel there pretty frequently growing up. Um, but this is the first time uh, moving to, to Bangalore for me. So with the company, I'm really interested to know why you chose India as the, as the place from which to really start everything. Because all of the problems that you described previously, um, these are things that exist all over the world. So I'm interested to know why India in particular? I mean, I think you bring up a, a really great point. Um, and, you know, what we like to say is that we've started in India. You know, this is this is a place where, um, especially from the perspective of, of truly making an impact within the health system, we felt it, it was somewhere where if you were to involve families more in the care for patients, that, that we would really be able to improve the outcomes of the patients and, um, be able to scale this rapidly within this country of a billion plus people. But um, our ambition really goes beyond that. It goes beyond India. And right now we've actually um, this year expanded uh, for the first time to another country in, in Bangladesh. Um, and our hope and our vision is is really truly global. And, and we really do hope to ourselves and, and also through partnerships and inspiring other organizations to make better family caregiver training, uh, the standard of care across the world. I'm really curious to know why it was in particular the family member that you identified as the as the cornerstone of the medical experience and not something else like, say, um, I don't know, a website or, or the doctor, for example, because at once it seems very obvious, um, it seems that something that it seems like it's something that should just jump out at you. But again, it's not a resource that's used very much. I, I think, you know, as Edith was alluding to, um, it was really through coming into the, the healthcare system with an open mind and an open heart and really 
listening to all of the different stakeholders, whether it's the people running the hospital, doctors, patients, families, nurses, um, and, and observing what was going on, we really saw that as, as a need and, and really a low-hanging fruit. Um, everyone that we would talk to would understand the incredibly important role that family members play, but you know, in our visits, not only to the hospital, but in people, to people's homes, we recognized that um, there was something missing in what the health system was actually doing to engage and, and formally train them. Um, so it was something that we just kind of pieced together from, from both um, just spending time and listening to all of the folks within the system and, and observing what was going on. So I really want to now focus on the company and really how it works, because you've described about um, about the different ways that you try to meet patients where they are um, through, again, the, the family member as the cornerstone. But exactly how do you do that? How does NeuroHealth work? So if you were to walk into one of our hospitals uh, or one of the hospitals where we work, who we partner with, um, you would see family members uh, naturally gather either in the ward or in the hallways uh, before or after visiting hours, for example. And there is a facilitator, typically a nurse, who's already employed by the hospital or a counselor, who would, as those families are, are naturally gathered in one place, um, who knowing that would host a, a session. And in that session, families learn not just information about what the patient is going through. So let's say it's a cardiology or cardiac surgery patient, um, they wouldn't just learn about what a, an open heart surgery is, but they are actually, what's, what's more important is that they're learning actionable skills that they can use to help the patient heal and get out of the hospital more quickly. And then most importantly, stay out of the hospital once they do leave. So physical therapy exercises, um, you know, how to monitor for warning signs, how to look out for things that are going to be, uh, be potentially really dangerous for the patient after they're discharged. Uh, and in the case of, say, again, cardiac surgery, you would find uh, wives, husbands, sisters, brothers, um, daughters, sons of the patient in the session. And then very often, if the patient is feeling well enough, the patient would also attend the session. Then after, uh, after these sessions, which typically lasts 30 to 45 minutes. It depends on how many questions people have at the end. We use uh, a mixture of large printed materials to help the, the facilitator through the session. We also have some video that we use that's um, edutainment style. So it's sort of Bollywood style. Everything's in local language and is contextualized for the local audience. Uh, so literacy is no barrier. Um, then we are able to follow up with people, um, primarily using WhatsApp at this point. The, the use of WhatsApp is so pervasive in India that that's become the best channel and, and the most effective way for us to continue that thread of communication and education with patients and families. So we're able to send uh, reminders at, the, you know, at times when we know someone might be experiencing, say, a complication or or before they were, would experience that complication, um, healthy, you know, promoting healthy behaviors and whatnot. Uh, and we can send either photos or, or videos and whatnot. 
So that's just in terms of practically how the how it works to upskill families. That's the that's the bare bones or the the sort of the meat of the program. Shahad, do you want to add anything? Um, no, just the only thing I'll point out here is <clears throat> when we started out, there was kind of two approaches that we could have taken. Um, when we realized that involving family members more within the process of care delivery is important and we want to train them on, on how to take care of the patients, the first approach would have been to have, um, you know, have Nora Health, the organization, be the ones who takes it upon ourselves to train the family members and, you know, come up with the curriculum and, and, and actually deliver it to the families. But we actually decided to go down the different route, the second route that Edith was mentioning, where we really work closely with the, the health system and try to strengthen the health system to be able to change the way they deliver healthcare so that it's more family-centric, so that really training families is a, is a core part of, of how they take care of patients, um, and, and train the staff on, on how to pass on this education, this training, to families, so it's it's a health system strengthening approach. It's something that that we are layering on top of uh, what is you know already happening within health systems, and something where um, we intend to activate and support and eventually you know strengthen the system so that this is just how care is delivered in perpetuity. So I just wanted to point out kind of the difference between the two models. And I'm assuming Shahed that um, at the point of delivery that um, caregivers and family members, they can access these videos on demand? Yes, um, as Edith was mentioning, we do have a, a platform where we reach out to families over WhatsApp. And so all of the content is, is shared and is available over that. And, and also they're able to ask any questions that they may, they may have on the content and we're there for them to, to respond. It sounds to me that this solution that you have is incredibly low tech. And I'm wondering if this was something that you designed into your solution, because it seems incredibly affordable, particularly for, for people in like say low income, um, low income families and low income countries. You know, I think what, what we realized early on uh, was that, you know, the use of technology was, was only useful when it was useful, when it was something that was actually adding, you know, value to a pain point that, that the patients and the families were experiencing. And, and the kind of lowest hanging fruit that we saw in the system was there needs to be some sort of human interaction in this training for it to happen effectively. Um, and so we recognized that it, the, the problem wasn't to solve for how to get rid of that human interaction in order to make this, you know, the most efficient training possible, but how to enhance that, multiply that, and, and really make the most effective use of, of the human interaction with the nurses, with the trainers that we've trained, um, and then figure out, you know, ways to, to make that, yeah, make that experience more efficient. So um, using things like videos to standardize the curriculum, coming up with um, using, you know, best practices and design to really understand the pain points of the trainer uh, so that we can supply them with tools to, to do a better job of training the family members. Um, and it was only, you know, organically that we started to infuse technology into the way we interact with both the families and the nurses that we work with. Um, and the reason we chose WhatsApp was because this was something that um, was 
pervasive. It was only gaining and is continuing to gain momentum. Um, it's something that is the first thing that um, if someone buys a you know, 1,000, 2,000 rupee phone, it's the first thing that, that will be there on their phones. Um, so we realized that it was already in everyone's hands. People were uh, comfortable using it. And so why not extend what we're doing and, and make it more effective through, through that technology? Um, so rather than, you know, kind of looking for <clears throat> a nail with, you know, with our hammer being there, we, we kind of um, took, took a more organic and, and needs-based approach to infusing in technology. Especially with the population that we, you know, that we're focused on serving that technology is not always the solution, you know, especially in healthcare, having a human, um, having a human who's there to answer your questions makes a tremendous difference. Uh, and so there are areas where technology can, can enhance an intervention um, and can make things more efficient, certainly. But in the end, it's really important um, for people to have that human interaction. And we never want to overlook that. You know, we don't want to understate it as well. I think that's great. And, you know, in an industry that's increasingly becoming um, unaffordable and also um, automated a lot of the time so that we can have 24-7 access to um, healthcare information, um, solutions like this are incredibly important. So, Edith, I wonder if you can share with us some um, concrete examples of the ways that NeuroHealth has actually helped people in the community. Sure. You know, there's, there's success that you can see in individual stories. And then we have um, a robust monitoring and evaluation and sort of research arm that is looking at success and sort of, you know, how we're, what are our key performance indicators or what are we holding ourselves um, accountable to as an organization in terms of impact results? Um, so on the micro level, I mean, every day we have, we have stories coming back to us um, or, you know, if, you, if we walk into the hospital, we experience just that you can put yourself in the, in the shoes of someone and you've probably had someone who you love sick in a hospital before, as have most of your listeners, or you've been the patient. And the common theme across any and, and all um, people that we encounter is that feeling of confusion and, um, and it's an extremely overwhelming experience to see someone you love suffering and not know how to help or what to do to help. And then the sense of relief that one feels when, and confidence, honestly, that one feels when, um, when given even just a little bit of information in in a way that is um, actionable and digestible and that's sticky and that you can actually remember. And so I'd say, you know, the the most powerful stories are those where where people people really feel empowered and like they have agency where before they were helpless and did not have that agency. And that's that's something that we see. Um, day in and day out. And that's what really drives us and is exciting to us about this, that that through a very small tweak in a highly complex system, um, you know, you're not adding a, a widget, you're not adding some, some complicated piece of machinery, you're, you're really just doing something very, very simple and realigning the way that, um, that things are getting done. And it can be so, so transformative for 
for all patients and their advocates within the system. And then at a macro level, I'll let Shahed speak to some of the results that we've seen, because um, that's more his wheelhouse, but they, the, you know, we've now reached over 500,000 families with the program, which feels like a lot. It's certainly an accomplishment, but in India, it's but a drop in the bucket. <laughs> and he can share those, some of the, the clinical outcomes um, that, we, that we've seen. I think it's so important to have um, have medical solutions that and healthcare solutions that serve to demystify the the whole process or all of these individual things that people are going through. That's incredibly important because it is such a complex and um, emotive field for people that are going through um, whatever it is they're going through. But Shahed, moving above the individual level, can you talk about some of the uh, more macro level um, impacts that NeuroHealth has had? For sure. Um, we've looked at this through the lens of a couple studies um, that we've run uh, in, in a few of the, the programs. Um, that we have. So one was a study on cardiac patients where we developed out a, a program to help them recover uh, through the support of the family members on, on basically post-surgical outcomes. Um, and saw some really interesting results from that study. The first one, um, we did see that people were, were going home and actually practicing um, the, the behaviors that they were taught in the, in the training program and doing it more significantly than, <clears throat> than people who were not trained. Um, the second thing we saw was that this was leading to people needing to come back to the hospital less, so readmissions to the hospital for bad things that could happen, morbidity was, was less. Um, and finally, we saw actually health outcomes changing, so things like post-surgical complications, wound infections, respiratory infections, those were actually coming down. So just you know, doing something as simple as, as training the family members was preventing wound infections, preventing infections that uh, could actually end up reversing the benefits of the surgery and, and even take someone's life. Um, so, so we felt very energized by, by that study. Um, we, we repeated a similar study, but in a different patient population and at a, at a much larger scale with um, about 5,000 people that we followed up. Um, and these were mother-baby dyads for our neonatal and maternal health program. Again, we were looking at fairly similar outcomes um, in terms of were we changing behaviors, were we improving uh, health outcomes after the, the baby leads to the hospital. And, and we largely found similar results. Yes, after the training program was implemented, people were going home and actually you know, following these very key behaviors like breastfeeding and, and hand hygiene that, that they needed to uh, in order to recover well from giving birth and, and the baby's overall well-being. Um, and we saw similarly the readmissions for the, the newborn going down. Um, and, and that means things that were, were really, uh, you know, not something you would want a newborn to experience like jaundice. Um, that was being avoided just by, again, training the, the family members on, on what to do. And, and something specific to this program that's important to point out, oftentimes um, 
the programs in the maternal child health area really focuses on just training the the mother on on how to take care of the baby what we recognize was you know it really takes a family it um you know we need to be engaging the father the uh, mother-in-law the you know both grandparents actually and uh and really you know breaking down some of potentially the um, the norms that were there uh, in in caring for newborns in the past and and kind of having that come through the health system was uh, was really impactful and and actually ended up improving the outcomes of of newborns in in the cohorts that we looked at so we were really excited to be able to see the results from you know both of these studies we continue to um, march on in terms of um, following up with patient families and increasing the scope of, of how we are evaluating our program and continue to understand through research what the impact of something like this could have because we do understand that you know in order to really you know scale this and and have this uh, have us meet the the vision that we have in terms of making this the global standard of care we will have to produce sufficient evidence that that this actually makes sense and in the grand scheme of things, um, yeah, can make a difference. So we're really excited by you know these initial results, but but know that there's a lot of work ahead uh, to continue to improve what we're doing, but then also um, prove that it's it's an effective way of of caring for folks. That was great, Shahed. And this is, this next question really is for the pair of you. But what would you see as your is your main challenges going forward? How do you um, amplify the impacts of what you're doing? Um, you know, I, I think one that perhaps most you know start, like early stage organizations and entrepreneurs face is um, you know scaling and and also growing the growing the team to to meet that scale and the demand that that you start to produce when you do create something effective. Um, so really, you know, maintaining our, our, the culture of what we do at, at the rapid pace that we're growing and bringing people onto our, our, our team to, uh, to continue to spread this, um, you know, it, it, it is a, it is a huge challenge for us. Um, it's, it's also an area that really excites and motivates us and, and an area that both Edith and I really love to focus and, uh, and tackle, but, but can sometimes be, you know, uh, limiting in terms of how fast and how quickly we can grow. Yeah, I completely agree with Shahid. I think that's you know really fundamental to, <clears throat> and something that we've learned is is so critical for us. And I know you know certain organizations or businesses might um, prioritize something else, but for us, it's that's really number one. So, what would you both say then is the future for the company? How do you see yourself growing? Yeah, I'm, I mean, <clears throat> it's it's a bit of both in terms of, you know, us actually being the doer and, and the spreader and, and actually getting out there and, you know, forming partnerships with health systems all over the world and, and helping them, you know, change the, the way they care for patients and make it more, you know, family caregiver centric um, and bring in our models and continue to improve our models and implement them in these settings. Um, but the point that you bring up is is also equally important at the same time continue to gather that evidence so that eventually this can grow much beyond what Nura Health can directly affect and implement around the world so that we can inspire others to take on these efforts and and potentially 
change um, change systems and policies so that you know the environment for this is is much easier to implement. No, absolutely, um, and yeah, our, our ultimate vision is to make this the standard of care, and we see this, as Shahid said, as something that would not just be in hospitals across India or even South Asia, but um, in hospitals in your neck of the woods as well and in ours. Uh, the power of family to heal is something that's really astonished us, and we we feel that it's important that family members become a core component of high quality healthcare delivery. And so our, our mission is to, and our, our vision is um, one where that is achieved, whether it's Nora health doing it or, you know, we're, we're not, <laughs> we're not naive. We know that in order to do that, it's going to be important for other systems to pick this up and, and take it on and do it better than, than we're doing it. Um, so yes, we have to collect the, the data. We have to collect the, um, the evidence we have to, prove in enough places that this is possible um, so that this becomes just another tool in the global health delivery toolkit and is something that other governments and hospitals and organizations can use to promote the health and well-being of, of patients and their families. Great. Thanks so much for that. So where is the best place for people to find out more about you and your work and connect with you? Great question. Um, you can go to our website, of course, and there's a way to get in touch with, with us through that. You can also email Shahed and myself at founders at norahealth.org, O-R-G. Um, we're on Twitter, Nora Health, uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, any of those places. <laughs> the usual. <laughs> Great. Well, I want to thank you both so much for spending some time with us today. I really love what you're doing over there at NeuroHealth, um, especially putting families first. And I wish you all the very best with it. Thank you.